Hey, what is up? Hello, and welcome in to another edition of Downey and Marquez, a Bucks Nation podcast. I guess it is still kind of a playoff edition, but not for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers any longer. We will get into the Bucks' loss to the Los Angeles Rams in the divisional round of the playoffs, plus uh, all of the news surrounding the team, Tom Brady, Willie, or won't he return for another season, and all of the coaching carousel news as well as make our predictions for conference championship weekend all today on the Downey and Martez podcast. I am Trey Downey, the Downey half of this dynamic duo, and as always, with me along for this ride is the one and only Lynn Martez. What's up, man? Carousel. It's nonstop, man. It is. Ah, the excitement is still brewing in, in Tampa. I know folks aren't happy what happened on Sunday, but still moving and shaking going on. You mentioned Tom Brady. Tom Brady's OC maybe leaving town and his tight end doesn't know if he's going to come back yet. And so much going on, including. <sighs> The soap opera that is the former number 81. So there's a lot, even though the season is actually over. On, honestly, I wasn't so even going to mention him today. I didn't even want to get No, that, because actually, I mean, listen, I know you, you got a question, and I'm not just you, me, anyone in regards to the Buccaneers is concerned. You've got to question the validity of what he's claiming. But God forbid if what he's claiming is actually true, because that's some crazy stuff. But like you said, you weren't going to mention it. I mentioned it in the past, and so pardon the pun, but pass, I did. So go ahead. All right. So just a reminder, as always, you can follow Lynn on Twitter at Elmar810. You can follow myself on Twitter at TD Experience. And you can follow Bucks Nation on Twitter at Bucks underscore Nation. And check out BucksNation.com every day for the latest on your Buccaneers. The team over there has you covered with all of this off-season news, recapping what happened, uh, looking ahead to the coaching carousel, and all of the free agents on that team, which we will look at a little bit later today. But Lynn, let's rewind to last Sunday, 3 o'clock, Raymond James Stadium, First half, maybe even the first three quarters, not look good for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. It looked like the Rams were going to waltz their way into hosting the NFC Championship game. But then in the fourth quarter, things got dicey. The Bucs came all the way back and tied the game. But then Matthew Stafford led the Rams down the field with uh, a long pass to Cooper Cup that set up a game-winning field goal for former Buccaneer Matt Gay and the Rams knock out the defending Super Bowl champion Tampa Bay Buccaneers. A lot to digest in terms of this game. Uh, I'll just leave it open-ended to you. What are what's what what are your feelings? What are your biggest takeaways from what happened on Sunday and the Bucks no longer being in the running for back? to back championships well for one i'll say this and and going into the football game i mentioned the fact that there had to be some balance 
there had to be some balance in regards to not having Tom have to go back there 54 times and throw the football. And unfortunately, there wasn't balance. I mean, they ran it 14 times. And I get it because, as you mentioned, the Rams jumped out to the lead. They led 27 to three. And the Bucs scored 24 unanswered points. And a lot of those points were on the arm of Tom Brady. But the reason why I mentioned the balance is because there's only so much you're going to be able to do to make that comeback. And I know that you can talk about the last drive. You can talk about, you know, Cooper Cup catching two passes and setting up the game with a field goal. One of the passes on a 44-yard uh catching one that in reality you have to wonder what, what defense the Bucs are playing, but that's a whole nother subject. The fact that this team had to play catch up for most of the second half, you put a lot on your offense to do that. And because of that, I mean, there's, you, you're just going to run out of opportunities. And that's what happened on Sunday. Look, me saying that, the Rams should have scored 40 points on, on Sunday easily. And, and, and granted the Bucks took advantage of the turnovers that, that the Rams had in the, in the four fumbles, but the Rams should have put up 40 points. I mean, they had a fumble within, within the five yard line and they committed a turnover after getting a turnover. I mean, they would, listen, we, we can talk about how, how the Rams are advancing to the, to the NFC championship game. You ain't winning the Super Bowl the way they handle the football. You're not supposed to win a football game when you lose a turnover battle the way they did. They're lucky to leave Raymond James with a, with a win on Sunday. You can say whatever you want about how dumb the Bucs play defense, the final two plays, and the fact that you left your safety, who is now a Pro Bowl safety in the second season, by the way, in Antoine Winfield. Yep. But you're asking him one-on-one to play arguably the best receiver in the game, at least for 2021. And that's Cooper Cup. One-on-one, dude, you're asking your safety. I ask you this. You ask a lot of questions. Let me ask you this. Mm-hmm. And you don't have to have a definitive answer. But I'll ask you, one-on-one, do you do you think you can think of a safety one-on-one that you would trust to play Cooper Cup in an open field in the league? You pick it's, one. Go it's ahead. It's hard. It's hard to trust even a even a corner Absolute. one-on-one. Maybe, maybe the maybe the corner that you trust the most on one-on-one on Cooper Cup is the one that plays on his same team. Which, by the way. Kudos to Mike Evans, over 100 yards receiving. 1,000%. 1,000%. Because the idea was to take Mike out of the football game. And Mike balled on Sunday. Mm-hmm. Okay, he had, he had, say whatever you want. He had, who, who, I, who I consider the best corner in the league, in Jalen Ramsey. He had Jalen frustrated a few times including that long touchdown catch. Yep. Okay. One-on-one. It's me and you, dude. And and most times, look, we knew it was going to, we knew Jalen was going to follow a lot of times. I mean, there were times where, where Jalen uh, might beat another corner on that team. 
but that didn't last very long. Jalen was like, okay, enough of that. I'm going to get Mike. I'm going to get Mike Evans. And you know what he got? He got Mike Evans best. So kudos to Mike for doing that. But still, in that, in that situation, again, Cooper Cup, you're not supposed to play that guy one-on-one with any safety in the league. Any safety in the league. And don't tell me about, well, some guys blitz and it was a miscommunication and some guys didn't blitz. That's not the point. The point is you were relying on, again, a safety to play that guy one-on-one. Come on. Now, I'm going to ask you this because a lot of a lot of fans on social media after the game were, I don't want to say if calling for Todd Bowles' head was is the right term, but they were almost hoping that Todd Bowles got a head coaching job yeah. after what happened. Right. On on uh, on Sunday against against the Rams, do you put as much blame on this loss on Todd Bowles as a lot of Bucks fans are doing? No, it was, listen, it was it was like I said, I get it. Okay, it was the final drive. It's the last thing that we remember. But it was a lot. I mean, it, again, <laughs> you're talking about seventy plays you ran offensively. Okay, 70 plus, 54 passes and 15 or 16 rushes. Okay, that's 70 plays. 70 plays that you ran offensively and 70 plays you had to defend. And again, you might want to blame the defense for playing the way they played in the first half, maybe, and some of the penalties that they may have had. But I don't blame Todd Bowles strictly for that final drive because, again, there's a lot that went on in that football game. I, I bring up that, that final drive and those two catches that Cooper Cup had because that shouldn't, that shouldn't have happened. But there's a lot of things that shouldn't have happened on Sunday. Yeah, the, the first half is where you've really got to circle in with the offense not being able to, to get much going. And to be honest, I kind of wish they would have ran the football more in the first half yeah, those fir- those first couple of runs that Leonard Fournette had uh you know the offensive line the with the Bucks I mean with a banged up Ryan Jensen and with Tristan Morphs out uh Josh Wells playing right tackle Josh Wells got worked over a couple times on the pass rush especially that one Vaughn Miller which looked like he had a clear shot at Tom Brady and Tom uh somehow eluded him but I wish the Bucks would have ran the football more in the first half just simply because of the success that they were having. Because especially if you look at those opening couple drives, that first drive in particular, they're running the football well. And then when they start passing, that's when the drive stalls out. Now, obviously, in the second half, you're down. You need to throw the football. That That's understandable. But I do wish that the Bucks would have ran the football a little bit more in the first half just based on the early success they had with Leonard Fournette. No, I, I said that last week when we did the podcast. I was like, look, if you want to, to be able to slow this pass rush down of the, of the LA Rams, you got to have balance. You got to stay out of second and long and third and long, and you got to keep them honest. And for me, whether it was the running game or whether it was the use of their running backs in the passing game, they didn't do enough of it. And like I said earlier, you know, there's a lot of blame to go around. It's not just on that final drive that, you know, Matt Gay kicked the game winning field goal. 
that's what we remember last. And it, you know, it makes Bucks fans upset because they came all the way back and tied the game up and they lost the way they lost. But that loss hinges on a, a, a lot of people on Sunday. And, you know, we can talk about the defense. And like I said, first half, they had their issues. But think about how that offense played in the first half, too. And the success they had running the football, as you mentioned, but also the fact that you had Leonard Fournette back, who was healthy. And you can talk to me about, you know, pitch count or whatever, play count, whatever. That's fine. But you also had Gio Bernard that you didn't use in the past game at all. And like I said to you. How, and how week, much of a how much of a pitch count pitch count are you really gonna put a guy on in the in the playoffs when it's win or go home? Like I said, I, I, if you want to say that to me in regards to not doing that much with Fournette, okay, fine. But again, you didn't use the other backs enough to offset them pinning them ears back and getting to Tom. And that's why Tom ended up bloody a few times. Uh, also had a fumble. I mean, look, I hate to say I told you so. I'm not saying to you, but we but talked I, about it. I was it. with you, yeah. We talked about it. Don't let these guys get you in the third and long where they know you're going to pass the football because they know that Tom's in the pocket and they know your offensive line is banged up. And sure enough, that's what happened on Sunday. Tom was hit too many times, man. Twice, considering with time. He's like, what did he say on, 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 uh, on Monday in the Let's Go podcast with him and Jim Gray? My wife doesn't like to see me get hit. Well, she must have been like covering her eyes on Sunday a whole lot. Was Sunday the last time we see Tom Brady walk off of a NFL football as an active player? No. I think, he, I think he plays another season. But here's the thing. There are so many variables that go into this. It's not even just Tom wanting to come back to play another season. What type of team is he going to come back to? Because last year he came back to a team that brought back all 22. Mm-hmm. Remember that? We, we, you know, we, hung, we, we hung our hat on oh, all 22 coming back. Yay. Okay. That's not happening again. Two starting, two starting offensive linemen, free agents, and one of them, one of them is huge because Tom loves himself some Ryan Jensen, sixty-six, and one of your, one of your, one of your best receivers. Yes, I know he's injured, but he's coming off a franchise tag. He's a free agent as well. You obviously have to account with you know maybe bringing in another third wide receiver with what happened with Antonio Brown, Leonard. Yep, yep, Leonard Fournette also also a free agent again. I don't know how much of a, of a discount he takes in back to back seasons, and then you want to transfer over to the defensive don't side. Don't even of the ball. go over yet because let me. You asked the question in regards to mm-hmm. Brady, right? Think about all the guys you just mentioned. Center loves himself some Ryan Jensen, right? Fournette loves himself some playoff Lenny, right? That's his safety valve, dude. Not yep. only does he run it the way he ran it last year in the playoffs, and, and and a successful run to win a Super Bowl. But that's his dump-off guy, dude. Tom's always had that guy. Whether it's James White and the, I don't know, Lewis's of the world and all the other guys he had in New England. You know what he had here? He had Leonard Fournette. Again, I mean, he talks globally about those guys you just mentioned. Godwin, 
Leonard Fournette, and Ryan Jensen. That's three of the three of the ten guys that Tom strapped the helmet off for, you know, for the last two seasons. So, like I said, within the household and with the family, Tom again on the Let's Go podcast mentioned the fact that you know family factors into him making that decision. Certainly does. But even if he gets outside his family, okay, step two. <laughs> what type of team, what type of offense, who is going to be there is huge. Now, a, a lot of people are focused in on the uh, Rob Gronkowski and him saying that if he had, if he was forced to make a decision right now, he'd retire. I'm not worried about that because I think, fresh, if Tom, I think if Tom comes back, Gronk comes back. Yeah, but I don't see... Even if, like, look, Rob said, if he had to make a decision right now, Mm -hmm. he wouldn't come back. It's still fresh. He's still still recovering from the injuries he had in the season, right? He wants to take some time away. He He wants to, you know, recover a little bit, do whatever he does in regards to, again, spending some time away from worrying about playing 17 games and a playoff run and coming back from, a rib injury and all the things that he did. Let's not forget, man. I mean, there was you know, once Godwin went out, it was Mike and it was Gronk. It's yep. a lot of pressure to put on a, a tight end who you can say whatever you want about his age. Oh, he's not what? He's only 31. He's only 32. He's Gronkowski he, is an old, old tight end, old 32-year-old tight end in the NFL, just because of the way the way he plays mm-hmm. and the injuries he's had and also how teams attack him when, when, they're, when they're playing defense against him. So another big factor in all of this, which the defensive guys, and to be completely honest, before the end of the season, it had kind of slipped my mind the fact that Carlton Davis and Jordan Whitehead are mm-hmm. free agents this offseason, which those are going to be huge. And I'm sure in the coming weeks, we're going to talk more and more about the free agents, especially on the defensive side of the ball. But continuing the conversation on Brady for just a couple more minutes, I think a big factor in all of this is not only who's going to be there playing with him, but who's going to be there mm-hmm. in terms of the coaching staff. Mm-hmm. And Byron Lethwich and how much of a factor – Byron Leftwich and what he decides to do is going to be a factor in all of this. Earlier this week, it was reported that him to the Jags was a done deal. Then last night, it comes out that that the Byron Leftwich is their number one choice in Jacksonville, but he does not want Trent Baalke as his general manager. He wants the Jaguars to bring in uh, a player personnel director from Arizona to be the GM there. And then today it comes out that the New Orleans Saints, after Sean Payton's retirement, stepping away, whatever you want to call it, uh, have also requested permission to interview Byron Leftwich. If I had to bet, I still think that the Jags deal happens, but based on the way this coaching carousel is going, a lot of teams are hiring people, but the fact that the Saints want in on Byron Leftwich, the fact that the Jags he's still apparently their number one choice. I do not think he's going to be back next year. And Bruce Arians already said this week to the media that if Byron doesn't come back, he's going to take 
play calling back next year because he thinks that he's found a way to do that. And obviously you're going to come up with contingency plans if you're a guy like Bruce Arians. But at the same time, that was kind of a nod to me from Bruce. Like, I don't think he comes out and says that in the media if he doesn't think Byron is getting a head coaching job. So I think that's going to happen. How much of a factor do you think the left witch thing is uh, in Brady's return? And do you like Bruce's plan of possibly taking over uh, the play calling duties should left witch uh, take a head coaching job? Because the way this carousel is going, but we're recording this on Thursday afternoon. By the time you're listening to it, the left witch thing to Jacksonville might finally be official. Well, it's not whether or not I like it. It's whether or not Tom likes it in yeah. regards to in regards to Bruce calling plays. And look, Bruce has been around a long time. And you know, he has a long list, you know, the, the quarterback whisperer and all that kind of stuff. But don't sell short the relationship that Byron and Brady have developed over the last two plus years. I mean, it's huge. I mean, that's and where I start, look at Byron's play calling, like the first little bit with Brady and how it evolved through the two years here. You can say that, but it's not, I mean, to me, I'm not even thinking in those terms. I'm thinking in terms of, again, what we see. And when I say we, I mean, we, as far as fans are concerned and even the media, we see Sundays, dude, we see game day, right? But as far as the fans are concerned, what you need to think about is all the stuff that's done to prepare for Sunday. And again, that's when your relationships are developed. That's the reason why, who knows, the Broncos hire who they hire in regards to Nathaniel Hackett, yep. the offensive coordinator of the Green Bay Packers, to potentially lure Aaron Rodgers to Denver. Again, something we may get into, something we may see. Bottom line is, that's how it works. Tuesday through through Saturday or, or Wednesday through Saturday, those relationships are developed. They're inside that room together. And that's huge, man. You've, you, you've watched it. We've watched mm-hmm. it. All you have to do, I mean, Tom's always on camera. Whether he's playing on the field or the defense is on the field, he's on the sidelines and he's got the, you know, the Microsoft Surface in his hands. Most of the time, guess who's sitting next to him? That that relationship is huge, man. And to ask Bruce all of a sudden to do that, I mean, you're asking a lot of a man who, you know, annually, we got to ask if he's coming back. Now, all of a sudden, he's going to take that responsibility of of running the offense with, you know, the soon-to-be Hall of Fame quarterback and the greatest of all time. It's a lot. It's a lot. I don't, I mean, I, I wish, I wish I could sit here and tell you that I know of another plan, but I really don't. Unless they, unless they make Clyde Christensen the OC, I really don't. So let's talk about just a little bit, how much of a domino effect it could be. Should Brady decide to retire? I think Brady, if he decides to retire, I think Gronk is gone. I think that there's a much better chance that Leonard Fournette looks elsewhere. But then, like, if Brady retires, where does this put 
this team. Obviously, this division is definitely in flux with Sean Payton stepping away in New Orleans. Uh, Atlanta was around a 500 team this year, and who knows what's going on with Carolina and their quarterback situation. And the Saints don't know what they're doing with their quarterback situation either. Taysom Hill still under contract. Jameis Winston is a free agent coming off of a, a knee injury as well. If Brady were to retire, obviously we will get into this a lot more if it actually happens. But are the Bucks ready to hand the keys over to Kyle Trask? <laughs> or are they are they going to be in the market for some of these quarterbacks that might be available? Like a like an Aaron Rodgers, like a Russell Wilson, possibly, like a Deshaun Watson, possibly. It's going to be a very competitive market with, as I said, what's going on in New Orleans and the fact that Ben Roethlisberger also officially announced his retirement today. So Pittsburgh's going to be looking for a new quarterback. Who knows what Indianapolis is going to do with Carson Wentz. It's going to be a very interesting thing, and there aren't, especially with the free agents that the Bucks need to bring back. It, I mean, if it's not Tom Brady, uh, it'd be hard to bring in another huge, huge, uh, high dollar quarterback. So do you go? Do you, do you go with Trask? Do you reach out to? Do you go after one of these maybe lower priced free agents? Do you go into the season with Blaine Gabbert? You call up Philadelphia, talk about Gardner Minshew, like. This, yeah, this could be you. You all over the place. Let me, I let me, am because I am because I think that the, the Bucks might be all yeah, over the place. Let's let's cover a couple things. First thing is first things first. I pop up, fix all the honeys. First thing is the fact that don't leave out Ryan Jensen in regards to the decision process as far as oh for sure yeah I'm coming back or not. That's part of it too, and the fact that. If Tom doesn't come back, 66 might go and find that big payday. Because for sure, the last two seasons, he's been balling. And he took a blow, he took a little pay cut to, to stick around here too to help Bucks sign. And when he was too. first signed, and when he was first came here, he was the highest paid center in the mm-hmm. league. Mm-hmm. So, you know, he's taking a little pay cut to, to stick around. And 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 rightfully so, because he ended up winning a Super Bowl and had two good Pro Bowl type seasons. But the next thing is, let's be honest with ourselves. Bruce Aarons is not going to stick around here and to give the keys to this, whatever's left here, whether it's a Lamborghini because they're able to sign a lot of the guys back, find a way. Uh, Mike Greenberg, the cap specialist of the Buccaneers, finds a way to work things out so they're able to sign players the majority of the players back, whether it's a Lamborghini or a Lexus, whatever it is that's left over to start 2022, they ain't giving the keys to Kyle Trask, dude. Bruce is not sticking around here for a year or two and having Kyle Trask as his quarterback. Not to knock Trask and say he can't be something down the road, He's not ready to run this football team in 2022. He's not. So the guys you mentioned, depending on how this team finds its way, what's, what it, 
looks like moving forward for 2022, it may be more attractive for Russell Wilson to maybe come to Tampa Bay or whomever, you name the, you name the quarterback, whomever it might be that's in the top 10 to 12 quarterbacks in the NFL that is changing teams this offseason. But I can't see, again, I can't see Bruce going through, again, his final year or two with the ability to win enough in this division to win a division because that's a factor too. You got to think, okay, you mentioned New Orleans needing a quarterback and a head coach. Carolina doesn't have a quarterback and their head coach is basically walking a plank. Okay. Atlanta. And then he brings in Ben McAdoo to be his offensive coordinator. Atlanta has, I mean, they have an expiring quarterback in, in Matt Ryan. I mean, God bless him for the career he had. One of the played well at times the, this year. One of the better dudes in the in the league, and, and certainly played well this year. But how much longer is he going to play? My point is, is that the NFC South is for the Bucks taking. That's why 2022, you're not giving the keys to Kyle Trask, dude. You just so, not. They still have a shot again to win this division, whether it's with a ten and seven record or eleven and six. Is it a veteran? Is it a veteran quarterback? Definitely. Then, oh, yeah. or is Most I was going to say, or is it a case where you know, if a if a Sam Howell falls to you in the late twenties in the first then, round, then but you're still asking, you're still asking, and you and you're talking about developing that rookie to win with a ready to win now type football team. It's a lot to ask. There's a reason why. There's a reason why Joe Burrow is the first overall pick in NFL history to win a divisional round playoff game in his first two seasons because rookies or second-year players just don't do it, dude. You're asking a lot to do it. Ben Roethlisberger won as many games as he did his second season because that was already now ready to win football team you're asking a lot it doesn't happen often dude so to say that they're going to draft a rookie and all of a sudden plug him in here and and, you know ready to play this team's ready to win now they need a veteran quarterback if Tom doesn't come back it's definitely going to be a a story to watch over these next couple weeks hopefully Tom Brady makes his decision sooner rather than later let's not forget though too you mentioned you mentioned Carlton Davis you mentioned Jordan Whitehead. That front, that front four, three or two or five, however you however you want to think in those terms as far as the D tackles mm-hmm. and the outside linebackers, that's going to be changing too. Jason Pierre-Paul is a free agent. I don't know how much longer he wants to play because – I think that's another guy kind of tied to Brady. I think if Brady comes back, I think there's a chance he takes a another discount to come back. I think that if I think that if Brady retires, I think he either goes and chases another ring somewhere or he just says that's it. My point my point as far as JPP is concerned is if I were to pull up the injury report from week 11 on through to the end of the season, yep. you know who's on that sucker every week? 
Jason Pierre-Paul. And this isn't a knock on him. He, that's, just, that's just him. The dude doesn't practice during the week. And guess what he does on Sunday? Plays. And he plays well. There's no doubt that he's productive. But that's, again, that's a fact that you have to think about in regards to whether or not he wants to play another season like that. Also, don't forget, uh, there's a certain defensive tackle that's also a free agent too in a yep. Dominican suit. And he already came back to get his ring and to stick around and be part of that 22 that, that came back for the, for the, you know, the potential back-to-back one. And Sue's got a whole bunch of outside interests, dude. So you got to question whether or not he wants to go another round if you don't have Tom Brady as your quarterback. So let's talk about, you know, let's transfer over to the coaching carousel before we get into championship weekend here uh, and what has happened. The moves that are official are Nathaniel Hackett, as you mentioned, the Green Bay Packers offensive coordinator is now the head coach of the Denver Broncos. And then today, Matt Eberflus, uh, the Colts defensive coordinator, named the head coach of the Chicago Bears. Both of those, I do think, are good hires. Uh, The Jaguars and Leftwich looks to be the other one that's close. But the biggest news to come out this week, obviously, as I mentioned, is Sean Payton stepping away from the New Orleans Saints. It looks like that he is going to get into broadcasting. I know a lot of people are saying, oh, Jerry Jones is going to fire Mike McCarthy right now. Sean Payton still has a couple years left on his contract. Now, could I foresee a scenario where Payton does one year in the booth with, with Fox, especially in a situation where Troy Aikman is retiring and it's been mentioned that Fox might be interested in pairing him with a, with a Joe Buck as their number one team moving forward? Sure, and then pulls a Bruce Arians and comes back after one year. Sure, but I don't think I don't think that we're in a situation where Sean Payton is coaching next season in the NFL. As far as where the Saints go, obviously, as I said, they requested permission to interview Byron Leftwich. But I do think that ultimately, I think that Dennis Allen, their defensive coordinator, I think he gets another head shot at a head coaching job. And the Saints ultimately uh, promote Dennis Allen to be their head coach moving forward because this year, more than any other year, the Saints have kind of morphed into a more defensive football team than an offensive football team. And I feel like over the past couple of years, Allen hasn't gotten the the recognition on the market and gotten the interviews that he probably deserved. And I think that that's the way that the Saints end up going, especially if the left witch thing ends up going the way that we expect it to in Jacksonville. Well, let's not forget, you bring up Allen, that 9 nothing win here when the Saints beat the Bucks on that Sunday night game. Sean Payton didn't coach that game. Yeah. Dennis Allen was the head coach for that game. And you, we talk about, you know, how much Sean Payton had an effect on the game throughout the week in his contact with Allen. And bottom line is Sunday night comes and you're in that seat. And when I say seat, I mean head coach seat. Literally, you're standing there. You're the head coach. And to be able to do what they did here, and we can talk about the injuries that the Bucs suffered in that game, certainly lost Chris Godwin in that game, and, and how the offense played without having the weapons and having to adapt in the middle of the game the way they did. The bottom line is Dennis Allen 
has been running this defense for a couple of years now. And when I say couple, I don't mean just two. Well, let's say a few, several. Bottom line is the Saints defense has been one of the better ones in the NFL, no matter who, no matter who is wearing their jerseys. And that says a lot about that says a lot about Dennis Allen. So I don't they could definitely get it wrong. And I don't think they would get it wrong if they were to hire Dennis Allen. The issue is they ain't got a quarterback, dude. We can talk about tasting him all you want. I mean, there's a reason why Sean Payton was able to do what he did with Taysom Hill. But there's also a reason why they finished nine and eight and they struggled offensively. They don't have a number one wide receiver and they certainly don't have a, a legitimate, legitimate starting quarterback in the NFL. Taysom Hill is not a starting quarterback in the NFL. I can run down 32 guys better than him that I'd, that I'd rather have than him taking snaps from me. It's just the truth. And then the Big other contract piece, or not, dude. Big money or not. The other piece of news that comes out today is that former Atlanta Falcons coach and now Cowboys defensive coordinator Dan Quinn has now told teams that he is going to remain with the Cowboys, withdrew from consideration. I know he interviewed uh, with the New York Giants. He was also under consideration for both the Broncos and the Bears jobs, which clearly looks like he wanted one of those two jobs if he removes his name from consideration after those two jobs are gone. And I was starting to think that that might be the way that the New York Giants would go. I thought that Dan Quinn might might end up there. Dan Quinn is a guy who I, I think at some point deserves another shot at head coaching. He took a team to a Super Bowl. So it's it's going to be very interesting to see Dan Quinn moving forward in future years. But Looks like he thinks he has a better shot in in uh, in Dallas right now, and maybe getting a better job down the road. It, it I think with when you're dealing with these guys that have had ke- head coaching jobs before, they can be a little bit more choosy in terms of which jobs they take than some of these uh, first time head coaches. Well, not only that, and, 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 and far be it from me to say that this is actually going to happen. But the idea of him sticking around is the fact that he thinks he has a defense good enough to win a Super Bowl. That's the reason why he's sticking around there. And you mentioned the fact that he took a team to a Super Bowl. If you don't remember, 28 to 3, Falcons, he was the head coach of that football team that were beating yep. the Patriots and Tom's incredible comeback. But as far as Quinn's concerned, him sticking around in Dallas. It's not even about potentially getting the Dallas job. It's about the fact that he thinks he has a Super Bowl-type defense. I mean, I didn't, even, I didn't even mention the offense. And we can talk about the shortcomings of Dak Prescott and, and also how Ezekiel Elliott was kind of you know disappearing at the, the, the latter half of the season. But Quinn thinks that he has the corner, lockdown corner, to win the Super Bowl. He thinks he has the, the versatile pass-rushing linebacker and Parsons to win a Super Bowl. And that D-line, again, he thinks he can win a Super Bowl there. That's, I mean, that's just me thinking, thinking in regards to why would he stick around there. That's why. Not to mention the fact that, let's be honest, we've talked about it multiple times on this podcast. Downey and Martez. The NFC East stinks. So every playoff, every playoff we have, 
guess who's going to be in the playoffs? The Dallas Cowboys. Whether you love them or hate them, a lot of people hate them. Bottom line is, until the Giants get their quarterback situation squared away and hire a head coach and clean up their offense issues. They're sticking with Daniel Jones. Didn't you see the – Stick with Daniel Jones all you want. You better clean that offense lineup. That's number one. That's that's just that's just the Giants. Is Washington it, is do, doesn't have Washington doesn't have a quarterback. I mean, we can talk. We can brag about Philly was a playoff play. team this year. What? Philly was a playoff team this year. Yeah, and we yeah. You want to know why? <laughs> they were gifted uh, a spot in the playoffs because the NFL said let's have seven teams. <laughs> and again, I'm not knocking. Wild card weekend. Loved it. Three games on Saturday, two on Sunday, and one on Monday. But I want more competition for those bottom seeds. Because you can Philly was a Philly was a playoff team. They were down 31 or nothing to to the banged up Bucks. Please stop it. Again, so Quinn thinks he, Quinn thinks his best chance to win. Is in Dallas. You can argue whether or not that's true or not in regards to his best chance to win, but that's what he's thinking, dude. For the Giants, is it is it Brian Dable at this point? Looks like he's a finalist for that job and uh, the Miami job. Yeah, maybe is say, it maybe is it where does don't count, does, out, don't count out the fans? Does does the Buffalo offensive coordinator have his choice between those two jobs? And if you're if you're Brian Dable, would you rather would you rather work with Daniel Jones or Tua Tagovailoa? Yeah, that's a good question because um, has someone he knows in the GM position in New York now, though. Yeah, Maybe no, that's something. That, that yeah, that's true. That that is definitely true. But he also he also may know that, <laughs> dude. You better get it right because you're gonna end up like McAdoo and Shermer and Judge if you don't. And you know, hey, that right down the road, Alligator Alley. 75 South from where I'm sitting right now, it's a whole lot different than being a head coach of the New York Giants. Fins have been looking for their franchise quarterback, still don't have it, and they've been trying to get it right when it comes to a coach, too. Think about it. I mean, think about the coaches that have that have been ran through, you know, Stephen Ross. Here's one thing that, that I, I, I wouldn't, it would not surprise me. We talked about Sean Payton, and we talked about him potentially sitting out a year. He might. But that whole year is going to be a long year for coaches who have a quarterback and that don't get off to a good start. So if you're Cliff Kingsbury, you better get your act right in Arizona because you know who's lurking? Sean Payton. Not only that, I mean, if you're Mike McCarthy in Dallas, if you get off to a rough start, oh in, no, I was getting ready to go D. there. I was, I, yeah. was I was leaving the best for last. But before <laughs> you even go there, okay, where you're sitting, okay, because that guy's walking the plank, and I'm talking about Matt Rule, who you know was a couple of years ago was a golden child, right? Could have picked yeah. his job, could have picked the Giants' job, took the Carolina job, and took took the owner's money and. Sure enough, the owner was ready to buy his butt out this year. And you know what? Let that team get off to a bad start next year because he'll be gone from there too. And that's another job that Peyton could have. May not have the quarterback there, but that's okay. 
If you figure it out with that money that, that your owner's willing to put into the football team. And you mentioned Dallas, but before we even mentioned Dallas, the reason why I brought it up is because you talk about the Finns. Well, he can go down there to Miami and run that and, and uh, run that offense with Tua. You know, the left-handed Drew Brees. That's the guy that he was compared to, right? He ain't got the accuracy of Drew Brees. But that's who Tua was compared to coming out of college. Well, who coached Drew Brees the last, what, 15 years or 14 years? Sean Payton. So no matter who gets the Miami job, whether you're Matt Rule or if you're Cliff Kingsbury or if you're Mike McCarthy, looking over your shoulder is that 58-year-old Super Bowl winning coach and Sean Payton, who may spend a year in that booth, but oh boy, you got one year to get your act right, the coaches I mentioned, not to mention the other ones. If it's not if it's not Dable in New York, is it is it Flores? I mean, who who else have they did they did they interview Doug Peterson in New York? I think they he did. might be I don't another think they name. Interviewed Peterson, but but they interviewed Flores. Here's the thing about Flores. Flores <laughs> might be that might be up for the Houston job too with Josh McCown down there in Houston. Well, here's the thing about Flores, and this is uh, something that we need to think about, and that is the fact that Joe Shane has a good relationship with Chris Greer. Chris Greer is the general manager of the Miami Dolphins. Chris Greer and Brian Flores had issues this past yep. year and had had a little, little contentious relationship. Not, a, not to mention the fact uh, Flores had a, somewhat of a problem with his left-handed first-round quarterback. Oh. Dude, throw the ball down the field. Please, throw the ball down the field, man. That's not all he's doing. Listen, Brian Flores said what he said at halftime. The Titans game, when Dolphins went to Tennessee and got boat raked out, they got again blown out of that game. Flores said what he said. And if you don't know what he said, he said the fact that we should have drafted Mac Jones. Here's the thing that Flores wasn't wrong about. Tua, if you're going to check down every play, guess who you are? Mac Jones. That's why Flores <laughs> said what he said. I might as well have drafted Mac Jones because all you're doing is checking it down. That's the reason why Flores said what he said. He wasn't wrong. He's like watching, he's watching Mac Jones, who he beat twice, by the way, this past year. And watching him check it down, it's like, man, if I wanted somebody to check it down, I'd have drafted Mac, Mac Jones. Throw the football down the field. That's the reason why I, I wonder about Flores in New York, because Shane knows Greer very well. And again, Greer had, a, had an issue with Flores. And that's the reason why everyone was shocked on Black Money that Flores ended up getting fired. So then is it Leslie Frazier then, if it's not? Ooh, Leslie Frazier falls into that same category that Todd Bowles falls into in regards to what do we remember last? <laughs> Let, okay, here we go. Perfect transition. Let's get into it. The the This past divisional weekend, the first three games end on last second field goals by the road team to advance. And then we get into what will be remembered by a lot of people as maybe the best two minutes of football they've ever seen in that Buffalo and Kansas City final two minutes where 
multiple times you think these teams have it in the bag and then 13 seconds Patrick Mahomes or Travis Kelsey puts them in field goal range Harrison Butker ties it after missing an extra point in a field goal earlier in the game Chiefs win the the coin toss and overtime go right down the field and score and they are back in the AFC championship game again that's just what Patrick Mahomes does to me like good for the Chiefs they're probably the favorite against the Bill the Bengals especially the way that the Bengals offensive line played against uh against Tennessee that offensive line just <laughs> frankly it isn't ready for a Super Bowl imagine a Bengals Ram Super Bowl what we would see uh Joe Burrow go through in that game but I want to talk about the overtime thing man we gotta change we gotta change these NFL overtime are you kidding? The, the coin toss decided that game. No, man. you know what decided the game? We just talked about it. Leslie Frazier's defense decided that. No, game. but I'll tell. But if the if that coin toss goes the other way, I don't know what they call. But if it's heads instead of tails, and Buffalo gets that job for, and gets the ball first, Buffalo wins the game. Okay, that's why I say the coin flip okay. decided the football game. Okay, but okay, that's. You can say that. We don't know that. We don't know if Josh Allen was going to go down and do that. And mind you, I understand. Neither one of these guys threw a pick. They were the leading rusher of their teams. Those guys were amazing on Sunday night. But you're giving me hypothetical in regards to if Buffalo wins the toss, they would go down and, and, and win the football game. We don't know that. What we do know is what we saw. And that is the fact that you mentioned you know, the, the, the four lead changes in, in the, the final two minutes and the fact that there was 25 points scored in the final two minutes. And the fact that Buffalo had the lead twice in the final two minutes, okay? They had the lead. They had their chance to win in regulation and didn't, okay? So I don't want to end not only that, but you also had a chance to stop the Chiefs. Stop the so Chiefs. You, you really don't think that the overtime rules need changing? You're no, fine with the overtime? Not. No, I was okay when they changed it from sudden death to to having to have a team score a touchdown. I'm cool with that. I'm all right with that. But don't tell me that we got to have both teams have the football. Bob, please, no. How about about having a team stop the other team so you get the opportunity to get the football? But the only reason you didn't Oh, my God. 2022, we actually have to gain – the opportunity, but the only what a bunch but, of softies. We want everything given. But Lynn, to us. the only the, it was given to Kansas City because of a coin flip. And yes, and then you turn around and you stop them. What a concept! To oh me, to to me, there there are two ways you go about this. You either do college football overtime rules, Hell, but you start, will, but you, will, but you start it. Hang up on. I will hang up from this podcast. That is much better than what football. the. That huh? is much better than what the NFL has. Or oh, you, absolutely but, not. But you, you started it. You started at the fifty-yard line, not the twenty-five. Oh, or or negative. Negative. or in no. the playoffs, no. you just flat or no. you just flat no. out play another. I would. Quarter. I would be. I would. I would respect you more if you told me let them play a full quarter. That that was my other option. Okay, say that. Don't give me the college. No, rule. I think I think the starting starting at the fifty is the better. No, I, ne- I love college. No, I no. love college football overtime rules, and I think that's the way to go. You I'm want them starting to start at the, at the 50. fifty. 
one pass, dude, you in field goal range. No, 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 That's, no college rules. But you have to make the field goal, and then if the other team score, but then if the you other team make the field goal, he ain't talking yeah, about but, making but when, plays. But then if the other team talk about making plays, how about if, making a if, play on defense? If, if the other team scores a touchdown, then the game's over. Trey, make a play. You want them to make make a play or kick the field goal? How about making a play on defense? Make a play on defense. Obviously, Again, but the dude, only reason they were in, they were put in that three situation. Possessions. You had the lead twice. But the Chiefs, but the Chiefs had the lead twice and didn't stop them either. I understand that, but I, you're not but you're complaining about the fact that the Bills didn't have the football. And I'm telling you, the Bills had a chance to win the football game. So did the Chiefs. And yes, they didn't and stop. And they them won. <laughs> and they won. But the only reason they won is because of the coin flip, Lynn. And they didn't stop. They had two chances to stop Buffalo and ice that game. They That's had fine. multiple fourth down chances on the drive when Buffalo they scored with had less a than chance two minutes. Too. By playing defense, you make it sound like so the did Chiefs. Kansas City. But Kansas City, you want Buffalo to make a defensive stop to win the game. They didn't but have Kansas, to. Kansas City but Kansas didn't City have didn't to. have to. They were, so listen, how is that fair? It's fair. You want to know why? Because why? They, because Casey didn't play the game without 11 other guys on the football field, Buffalo had a chance to stop them too. So did Kansas City, and they didn't. And they didn't have to. They didn't have because to. Because of a coin flip. And they won. They took the – they could have easily been three and out, dude. You but you want – but you no, no, no. But you're like, saying that Buffalo had the chance and Buffalo should have stopped them. Kansas City – Kansas City never stopped Buffalo in those one final of the teams two minutes. Did. Neither the yes. one of the teams so, did. So the only reason Kansas City won that football game is because of a coin flip. Their but defense again, did not stop Buffalo. Buffalo had – come on, dude. To, they, to me, your argument lost, just rings – Dude, they to lost me, your argument a three-point lead with 13 seconds left. 13 Kansas City had seconds. more – You can talk about Casey not stopping Buffalo, but only one team. Only one team. Lost the lead in 13 seconds. Only one team did that. The Bills. I mean, Kansas City lost the lead in 40, 40 something seconds. But not in 13. What was what was it? 102 to thir- 102 to 13. That was the but that's only because Kansas City had to kick a field goal. If Kansas City, if Kansas City had to score a touchdown, it would have taken them more time. Okay, but that's again, you're throwing out the hypotheticals. Here's the reality. Okay, here's the reality. And I didn't even mention the fact that I didn't even mention what Buffalo did to help Kansas City. Here's an idea: square kick. You want you want to you want to give you want to reward Buffalo. By blowing a thirteen, uh, a three-point lead with thirteen seconds left, with multiple, not just one, the kick and two, two plays that they screwed up. The kick and two defensive plays in thirteen seconds, dude. That's on the Bills. That's not but on the rules. But that's it's on-, on the Bills. I will give you the fact that neither team stopped each other, and I will give you the. I will give you the fact that. Maybe KC won because they won the toss. But the bottom line is this. You make it sound like KC automatically won just because of the coin flip. And that's not the case. 
No, because they had to go and they had to go and touchdown. So that's part of the rules. They went and scored a touchdown as opposed to somehow being held to a field goal and Buffalo getting their football. The rules are the fact that they won the toss and scored a touchdown. And it wasn't even just a one-play screw-up, dude. There were multiple plays that the Bills screwed up on. I'm not rewarding you for but screwing I think that, up. But I think, that mo- I think that both teams should should have the same scenario to present it. I think that for Kansas City to win that game, they should have to stop Buffalo too. And they did not have to do that because of a because of a coin flip. To me, that like to me we're, we're gonna, we're to gonna, me, gonna, that's just like that's just I'm, I just I'm, don't I just don't if, understand how that's any different than taking the taking the first coin flip first coin flip of the game and saying that the team that scores first wins the game. If the scenario was different, maybe, probably not, but maybe, maybe I see your side. I'm not seeing your side on this, dude. Sorry. Okay. They screwed up three plays in 13 seconds. Three. That's on them. That's on them. It's on, it's also on Kansas City for letting. Yeah, for winning. For winning and being in in the AFC Championship game for the fourth straight year. Yeah, they're supposed to apologize. Oh, well, let's. I'm not the saying they're supposed Hell to no. apologize. The rules I'm not are, blaming. The rules are the, are the way they are. I, I, not only that, not only that, Buffalo knew that on the sidelines. No, I'm I'm with you. I'm 100 with you there. I'm saying that the rule needs to be changed. I'm with you. Buffalo Buffalo knew what the rule was. Kansas City, what the new. Yeah. I'm not blaming. I'm not blaming. Rule, and you're saying the rules need to be changed. Why? Because of what happened on Sunday night, and I'm telling no, you, no, I've said that. I've said it for. I've okay, said it well, for it's years. coming up now. It's coming up now because of what happened on Sunday night. Maybe you said it. I didn't hear you. But the I said it after the the Raiders and Chargers game. I said I was rooting for a tie because I hoped it would get the NFL to change their stupid overtime rules. Oh, that's different. That's regular season two, by the way. That's that's totally different. Anyway, that's different. And you you want to tell me you want to play? You want them to play a full quarter? That's fine. Play a full quarter. I mean, the union doesn't want that's to not it. that that wouldn't be that wouldn't be my preference. I say start it. No, 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 don't even say it again. I don't want to. You heard it in my ears by telling me that college thing. Uh, stop. stop. Well, well, then start at the opposing 25. If that's what you want, start at the opposing 25. That's what the kickoff's going to leave you anyway. Unless you're unless you're Bradley. Pinion, yes, but I'm saying unless you're Bradley Pinion and you kick it out of bounds two or three times in one game. Thank you. Thank you, by but, the way. God. But I'm saying both. There's a, there's a, both you want to finger point ball. somebody on, on Sunday? You can finger point to him too. Special teams were bad on on Sunday for the Bucks. Mr. Fiego and dudes kicking the ball out of bounds. Ugh. All right, let's talk about Championship Sunday. I'm going with both home teams. I think Kansas City wins, and I think for the second straight year, a team is playing in their home stadium in the Super Bowl. I think the Rams get revenge on the 49ers for what happened in uh, in Week 18. I think we're looking at a Rams-Chiefs Super Bowl in two weeks. Yeah, I don't agree. And as much as that matchup would be a lot of fun in regards to Stafford and Mahomes, I don't know that I don't know that I wouldn't wouldn't like seeing a rematch of what we saw a couple of years ago in the Niners and, and the Chiefs. 
And the reason why I find it intriguing to see that matchup again is you give the Niners another chance to beat the Chiefs. And with the way they played them, that first Super Bowl, yeah. You know, that's that's Kansas City had to come back in the fourth quarter. They had to come back in the fourth quarter, and they locked down Tyreek Hill until he got loose in the fourth quarter, too. That would intrigue me. And the reason why it would intrigue me, too, is the fact that San Francisco, we talked about it a couple of weeks ago in regards to their running game. I mean, it's unique. And because of it, you're talking about keeping that offense that's as high power as it is in, in the Chiefs, scoring 42 points in overtime on Sunday night. But you're talking about keeping that offense on the sidelines and putting that pressure back on them to where every time they touch the football, they have to, they feel like they have to score. And I, I, I like I like that in regards to do you think seeing, a, seeing a well-rounded wins? football team as opposed to the Rams? They I mean as as good as the Rams can be offensively, they scare me when it comes. I mean, I'm still not, I'm still not buying Matt, dude. I'm still not Matt. You trust Jimmy more than Matt? No, but it's not based. It's their offense is not based around Jimmy. Jimmy had 11 completions on, on Saturday and they won yeah. a football game. Jimmy didn't complete his first pass until the second quarter on Saturday. It's not about Jimmy. Jimmy's basically, whether it's this weekend on Sunday or it's Super Bowl Sunday, Jimmy will have played his last game as a Niners quarterback, whether it be, again, whether it be this one or the following Sunday, two Sundays from now, uh, or three Sundays from now. Jimmy's time in, in, in taking snaps in Santa Clara it's coming to an end very soon. Heck, wouldn't it, wouldn't it be something if Jimmy Garoppolo ultimately replaces Tom Brady, but in Tampa yeah. and not New England? Jimmy's going to be on the market, dude. Yeah. Jimmy's going to be on the market. If, but... he win- if he wins, I mean, is there a scenario where they put Trey Lance on the market? No. You move on from a quarterback after yeah, they didn't dra- the Super they didn't, Bowl? They didn't, they didn't draft him to... to... Shanahan likes Trey Lance. They didn't yeah. draft him to to not move on from not move on from Jimmy, but uh, that dude was able to win. The, I mean, he, and he could have had one two two years ago. Yeah, I mean, he was he was really close in the fourth quarter, and I, I think it was Brandon Ioki missed wide open. Yeah, on, on a pass, but I believe uh, that's correct. Yeah, so I mean, if Jimmy does win one. I mean, Tampa Bay may not be the only team looking for him if Tom retires. There may not be other teams looking for him. You, heck, heck, I mean, they might ask him to come back to New England. No, I'm just kidding. Just kidding. Mac Jones is the man there. Check down, King. Do you think – you said that you you would rather see the San Fran game. Do you think San Fran goes into SoFi and wins oh, yeah. on Sunday? Yeah, as I mentioned, I'm still not buying Matthew. I'm still not buying – I'm still not buying Matthew Stafford. Not to mention the fact that the for some reason the Niners have the Rams number. And you can talk about the two coaches, the, the two head coaches in, in Shanahan and McVay and how much Shanahan knows McVay. Maybe that's the reason why. Why are you smiling? No, I'm just I'm just smiling. I can't be happy. No, I'm, I'm, I figure you had some other kind of a kooky no, time I, I, you wanted to bring up. So here's here's my thing with with the whole San Fran thing. I think they're I think they're a great, great story. I think they've been playing great their defense is that I just think I just think that it is that it is the Rams year and I do have a little bit more faith in Matthew Stafford than you do and 
I would just love to see the the matchup in the Super Bowl of Jalen Ramsey on Tyree Kill. Just would be phenomenal. Now we're it seems like we're completely discounting uh, Cincinnati, but I made my case as, as as to why there's no reason that Tennessee should have lost that football game. I mean, you get nine. Oh, you know sacks why they lost? Because of Ryan Tannehill, hundred percent. Because of Ryan Tannehill, you get nine sacks, and I just don't. I just don't think that Cincinnati, especially the way that we didn't see Buffalo's defense play or uh, Kansas City's defense rather play phenomenally against Buffalo, but the way that they played for the majority of the season and the way Steve Spagnolo dials up blitzes and stuff, I just don't think that Cincinnati is going to be able to protect Joe Burrow enough for him to go on the road to arrowhead to beat kansas city i think if a team was going to beat kansas city in the afc this year it was going to be buffalo great well, season for cincinnati if they upgrade their offensive line this offseason they're going to be a trendy pick to get to the super bowl next year i just don't think they're there yet granted they are seven seven and a half point underdogs depending on where you look for for sunday's game versus kansas city but they do and i know it's a, it was it was in cincinnati but they do have a victory over the chiefs so would I be shocked if the Bengals won on Sunday? No, I wouldn't be shocked. I'm not picking them, and I'm not hedging. I think I think Kansas City wins on Sunday, and I think and I think San Francisco wins based off of the fact that they find a way to to beat the Rams. I mean, and again, I'm not buying Matthew, and Matt and the offense is built around Matthew. And when I say Matthew, I mean Matthew Stafford. I'm not buying him yet. Dude, they could have easily lost the game here on Sunday. 100%. 100%. I'm with you. But that was more on the run. But that that was more on the running back fumbles than on Stafford. No no doubt. No no doubt. But what you had, you had two fumbles by Akers. You also had the bad snap. Yeah. And you had the fumble by Cup. Four fumbles. And you're right. I mean, we don't know why the center snapped the ball, so I'm not blaming Stafford for any of the turnovers. But here's the bottom line. They had a 27-3 lead, dude. And you can say whatever you want about the turnovers. Bottom line is, had they lost, had they not scored another point and been stuck on 27, the, the narrative would be a whole lot different this week about Matt Stafford than it is still not buying him still not. on this week I wouldn't be me if I didn't end our podcast this way oh boy who wins the Royal Rumble Lynn Martez Ooh, good question um yeah you are being you when you ask <laughs> you said it was a good question though it is a good question because <laughs> off the top of my head I'm trying to I'm trying to think like a lot of people think Brock or Roman lose their match and then go back in the rumble. And I was win. I was getting ready to, I was getting ready to say, but I don't think it'll be Brock. I don't think I don't think Brock. I think you know what I think. I think I think Lashley could actually win, go back, lose to Brock, and then go back and win the Royal Rumble. Now, what 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 that leads to in WrestleMania? I don't. I really don't know. Big E, big Big E, e wins it. That's that's yeah, but that, then what's your WrestleMania? What's your WrestleMania? Uh, I think you do, main event? I, I think you do. Uh, we've talked about this uh, 
off camera before with the with the two with the two night thing. I think you can do Brock Roman on one night and then Big E against the winner of that match on another. Okay, night. well let me get, let me you know what here's my here's who I think will win, and I don't even know if he's gonna be healthy enough if he's back. Tampa's own Drew McIntyre. Drew McIntyre. Because I, I, he I deserves, would, I wouldn't he that. deserves a real WrestleMania moment where there's a hundred thousand people in the stadium, like they'll be in in Dallas, right, Saturday and Sunday. Because yep. we were both there at Ray J for the WrestleMania here, the last one, but it wasn't a hundred thousand, dude, twenty five thousand, thirty thousand. It, it was cool because it was the first. Oh no, 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 no! I'm not. With, I'm not with, I'm no, not, no, with fans back. Yeah, no, this I'm not is downplaying. Speaking, this I'm not is downplaying from, the event at all. I'm telling you, that's different from what will be in Dallas, where you get a hundred thousand people. And dude, I've been to five WrestleManias. I can tell you yeah, that I that know, one was I, completely I know different. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but here's the thing: that I, the reason why I, I'm picking Drew, now that I think about it, is besides the fact that he didn't have his moment in WrestleMania, whether it be the one they actually had at the Performance Center mm-hmm. prior to this year at Ray J, that dude carried, he mm-hmm. carried, okay, the WWE when we were in lockdown for COVID. He carried yep. it, dude. He won that, he won that rest of the Royal Rumble a couple of years ago and set up his main event his headliner against Lesnar. And then obviously we got into lockdown. So they had the, the, uh, the main event at the performance center. He deserves his moment. He deserves his moment. Speaking of people coming back, the women's Royal rumble looks like Ronda Rousey. There might you go. Be uh, on you going to turn way? this podcast into a wrestle. wrestle, uh, wrestle hey, I'm, I'm, I'm wrapping it up, but wrap it I, up. I, I hope we I get gave it. you, I, I gave you your one moment yeah. to talk one thing. And all of a sudden, you just want to run away I, I, with it and turn this into a podcast about wrestling. Be careful. I'll start breaking down the mixed tag. <laughs> That's going to do it for this week's edition. This week's edition of Downey and Martez. We will be back next week to start to preview the Super Bowl. Maybe we have more coaching carousel news. Maybe we have Tom Brady news. News will inevitably break. Until then, you can follow Lynn on Twitter at Elmar810. You can follow me on Twitter at TD Experience. Follow Bucks Nation on Twitter at Bucks underscore Nation. And check out BucksNation.com for the latest and greatest on your Tampa Bay Buccaneers. This has been Downey and Martez, a Bucks Nation podcast.